0: Welcome to Oak Ridge Bible Chapel. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at Oak Ridge, and we are so excited to have you join us today. So grab your Bible and then your iPad, a notebook, pens, pencils, whatever it is that will help you get the most out of today's sermon. And please enjoy our Sunday message. So, spring is slowly coming, and since it's Ontario, you blink and you miss it. Um... You may be familiar with the, with the phenomenon of spring cleaning. I don't know who does the cleaning in your house, but this is something that is going on for, for, for a while. And so those windows that you haven't washed for all winter long, and then and one day in spring, the sun is shining, and then you see nothing because the windows are dirty, and you need to clean them. Uh, and then, then the, the garage or the basement where you, where you piled up all those boxes and it was too cold in the winter, well, now the temperatures start to get up and now it's time to, to clean up. It's time to clean up there. Or, or your closet where, where you have your winter clothes, and now it's time slowly to get out your, your spring clothes, uh, your, your summer clothes. So there's a cleaning that comes with, with the season. It's time for a spring cleaning. Now, this tradition of cleaning the house at springtime can be traced back to the ancient Israeli feast of Passover. Because at Passover, the Jews had to clean out their entire house. Well, not they had to clean out their house. They had to find something very specific. They had to find yeast. Yeast is for baking and uh, for baking bread. And they had to get get rid of all the yeast out of the house. Because the Lord had ordained that for seven days of Passover, it's a seven-day feast, none of the Jews could eat bread that was leavened. So all the yeast had to get out. And this became a tradition to, to well, if you, if, you, if you clean out the yeast and clean out the kitchen, you might as well clean out the rest of the house, just to be sure. I mean, I don't know who stores yeast in the, in the living room, but you never know what the kids <laughs> do these days. So you clean out the house, and then there's actually a nice tradition these days that, that the kids look for the last piece of leavened bread in the house, and then they get it out there. That's our, that's our tradition of, of spring cleaning. And uh, religious Jews, they had to do this to get, to get ready for the Feast of Passover, because finding yeast would actually disqualify you from celebrating Passover. Now, we're going to read two passages of Scripture today. And it's, it's also a sort of spring cleaning if you want to but not of a house, not of any house, but of the house of God, of the temple there. And, and incidentally, not by coincidence, both are right at the Passover there. So before the Passover, the Lord Jesus comes into the temple, and, and, and one is at the beginning, and one is at the end. So let's, let's start with the one at the, at the end. So in, in Matthew 21, if you want to turn with me. Matthew 21, verses 12 and 13. Mm-hmm. And we've just celebrated Easter. And if you, if you remember your church calendar, the Lord comes in on this triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. And all the children and, and other people are singing, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then he enters the temple. And then the following happens. In Matthew 12, uh, 21, verse 12. And Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all those who were selling and buying on the temple grounds. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, It is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. And then, so to keep in mind, this one appears in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, I don't know about you, but if something appears three times in the scriptures, it's probably important there. And so it's good to remind where this is. This is right at the end of the public ministry of the Lord Jesus. A week later, he's crucified there. So this is the last Passover of the Lord Jesus. Let's go all the way to the beginning there. And that one is, is our main text in John 2, the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And within the temple grounds, he found those who were selling oxen, sheep, and doves. And the money changers seated at their tables. And he made a whip of cords and drove them all out of the temple area with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who were selling the doves, he said... Take these things away from here. Stop making my father's house a place of business. His disciples remembered, so this is later, that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, what sign do you show us as your authority for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it took 46 years to build this temple, and yet you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this, and they believed the scripture and the words Jesus had spoken. May the Lord bless his word, and may we do the same as the disciples. Who would have thought two times a spring cleaning in the temple. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read these passages, it makes me feel highly uncomfortable. This is not the picture of Jesus that I have in mind there. And, 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 and I'm a non-confrontational person until I had kids, then I became a confrontational person, but this is too much for me. This is, this is like Jesus going, the Lord Jesus going into the temple and driving out rather violently, rather forcefully what happens in the temple that doesn't square in my head with the Lord Jesus that I know or would like to think I know. And, and so I have, when I read this, I have the tendency to, to lessen this a, a little bit, like, like he's going into the temple and he's saying, please get out. That's not what it says there. That's not what it says there. But it's, 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 it would be wrong to have this picture of Jesus in our head. And it, it, it's a very confrontational event. That's the way it's written. And it, it, it's very uncomfortable. And so then, if that does not fit with my picture of Jesus, I need not to adjust the text. I need to adjust the picture of Jesus in my head. There. Now, there's another way that you can go wrong here. And there's people that take this passage and say, look, Jesus was a revolutionary. Look here. If there's things wrong in society, you can do action there. You can go in and you can change things. If people don't listen, let them feel it there. And you can take this out of context there and just focus on those two passages and say violent action is justified, and if, 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 if you need to disrupt the status quo, that, that force is justified to counter social injustices. Now, that would be a wrong interpretation. I'm just going to lay that out there. That's not the way to read this, this passage here. Uh, for one, I think it ignores the most obvious. It's out of context. There's plenty of other scriptures there that points to, to other things that Lord Jesus said and did. And by the way, if you read these passages about what the Lord Jesus said about himself in there, that may be the more important thing there. Second, we don't read that the Lord Jesus ever tells his disciples. Now, you do the same there. So whenever there's a Christmas card sale in the church and you don't like it, you just throw Alice out of the building there. No, it doesn't say that. There, Alice is our church secretary. Don't worry. We don't read that the Lord... Does. Actually, we see that the disciples, after the Lord Jesus, they come to the temple and they stay in the temple for as long as there is a temple. And they hold the temple in high regard there. Now, third, if you really think that the Lord Jesus was this revolutionary character, and you just read that there is one cleansing at the beginning and one cleansing at the end, and there's three years in between... That would make him a very bad revolutionary, like a very ineffective, like a very lousy like a revolutionary changes things. And if you need to change things twice, you're not very good at it, are you? So that is not the, the right interpretation there. Because apparently, between the first cleansing of the temple in John and the, the second reading of the cleansing at the very end, nothing has changed there, nothing has changed. The sheep came back, the money changers came back, it was a bazaar in the temple all over again. Now, that is something to keep in mind, because between this first cleansing and the second cleansing in John, sorry, the one in John at the beginning and the one in Matthew at the end, there's three years there. And and, and there's many similarities between these, these two cleansings, but the first one is, is obvious, like, not much has changed there. So he does it once, nothing changes for three years, and then he does it again there. The money changes came back, animals came back and never left there. And then with that in mind, read the Gospels. And if you read and count how often the Lord Jesus came back to the temple there. And in John, it's actually quite often, he comes back in the temple there. And then just imagine, picture him going through those animals and uh, through those places with the money tables over, over there. And then he doesn't do it again, or we don't read that he does. I don't think he does. There. How must it have hurt him to, to the core to see his father's house meant to be a house of prayer being desecrated? Like that. So why do we only read that the Lord cleanses the temple twice? There. Now, to give a bit of weight to this, let's, let's talk a little bit about the temple there. And at the time of Jesus' ministry, there is a large temple in Jerusalem. This is the second one. So Solomon builds one hundreds of years before. That one is destroyed. The Israelites go into captivity. They come back, and then they rebuild the temple. And that temple is just an, 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 a small thing compared to the original that Solomon had built. It doesn't have the glory and all that. And this is about 400 years before this event happens. And over the course of those 400 years, they, they extend the temple, they build it up. And especially King Herod, the, one that, that, the baby murderer of Bethlehem, had extended and beautified this temple greatly. And it's estimated at this time that the the entire area of the temple, not just the temple house, but also the courtyard around this, was about one-sixth of entire Jerusalem. So if you go to Jerusalem, it's hard to miss the temple there. And so what would happen is that three times a year, pilgrims, Jewish believers from all over the the ancient world, from, from Spain, from Italy, from Turkey, from North Africa, from, from, from Babylon, or current Iraq, they would come all to Jerusalem, to the temple, to celebrate Passover, and then, and then Pentecost, like 50 days later, and then the Feast of Booths. Three times a year, every Jewish man had to appear before the Lord in, in Jerusalem. Now, at this time, the people of Israel was, was, was a large nation. They were scattered all over the country, but it was a large place there. And so it's estimated that that about 100,000 pilgrims would come to Jerusalem. Now, we might say 100,000 people, that's not a lot. But at this time, Jerusalem has about like 50,000 people. So, So take the size of the city, multiply it with three, and that is the number of people that you have in there. And they all come with one focus. They come to appear before the Lord in the temple to sacrifice, to sing praises, to worship, to do their religious duty. It's 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 an it's a feast there. And so there's this joyous celebration, this these pilgrims that sing songs and they walk up the hills, and then they see in Jerusalem, on the hills, and then they see the temple there. This magnificent big building there. Now, if you look in the temple, you see pictures of the temple there, or like illustrations of what the Buddha looked like, probably, then the core of the temple is this enormous building there. But only the priests were allowed to come into the building. And then if you go outside a bit, there's a courtyard with walls around that, and only Jewish men who were sanctified, who were clean, were allowed to come in there. And there was the altar in there and a couple of other rooms. And then there was a courtyard for Jewish women there. And, and, and now, where, where could we go if you are? A Gentile, like like me, if you're not a Jew, where could we go? Well, not there. Because around that were walls, and in in those walls there were gates, and there were inscriptions in in, in all sorts of languages to say, uh, if you're not a Jew, you're not allowed to go past this wall. You read about it in Ephesians, this separation there. We were not allowed to go there. So where were we allowed to go? Well, around this temple house, around this courtyard, around the temple, was an enormous courtyard of the Gentiles. Now, how big? 35 acres. And this was wild. Now, I don't know what an acre is, but it's about, about, what did I write down? 85 ice hockey rings. Now, I don't know what an acre is, I don't know what an ice hockey ring is, but this is large. (laughs) This is enormous. This fits like 75,000, 80,000 people there. And this is, this outer courtyard of the Gentiles, this is where this takes place, there. Because all those pilgrims that would come to sacrifice, they needed animals to sacrifice. Now, if you come from Rome by the boat, or if you come from Babylon with with your camels, do you take your sheep with you? That's a bit impractical there. Plus, those sheep that you would offer for sacrifices needed to be without blemish. You couldn't sacrifice anything there. It needed to be the right, um, without blemish, the right, the right size and all that. And that was for the priests to do. So it was better to just buy your sheep in Jerusalem and know that what you would offer to the Lord could be accepted to the Lord there. And then there was the temple tax there. So every Jewish man had to pay a temple tax there. Now you could not pay this with your Roman currency or with your with your Ephesian currency if you come from Ephesus uh, there. There was a special currency that you needed to be paid, the holy shekel. Now where did you get that? in the temple. So there were these tables of money changes where you could change your Roman currency, your denarius, or your Ephesus' drachmae. You could change this into the the Israeli shekel and you could pay uh, the temple tax there. So you can imagine, lots of people need lots of sacrifices, lots of animals around there. We read about cows and sheep and doves, and then the tables of the money changes. You can imagine you get the picture. This is a bazaar. This is a, a a a a market. This is a bustling marketplace there. This is not like a church where everybody is supposed to sit quietly. Oh no. This is a pandemonium of, of noises there. And then you hear the sheep and you hear the cows, because those animals don't keep silence there. Can you imagine a cow in the back? No, that's this is, that's that's noises everywhere. And I don't know if you've ever been in the Middle East, but People are not really quiet there. It's noise there. Now of course things get better in the moment you pass those gates and you're actually on the temple courtyard because then all the, all the noises are, are behind you and you don't hear a thing and then you can worship there. But this outer courtyard, oh, that's just noise and busyness there. Now you might think to yourself, Nate, what's the problem here? Like, this is not happening in the temple itself. There's no there's no idolatry happening there. Like be pragmatic. Like these people need sheep. Where do they get the sheep from? Like uh, have a bit of sense there. What well, what actually what well, a service that you can you come from afar and then you can just buy buy the stuff that you need. You can buy it right there, and then you just walk it inside, and then it's being sacrificed. How economical there. Unfortunately. That is not the way the Lord Jesus sees it. John 2, verse 15. Jesus sees this bazaar in the holy temple. It doesn't say that he's angry, specifically. People make that out to be. But It's very clear that he enters the temple. He sees everything that's going on. And there is something that sets him off there. He is indignant. It speaks of a zeal for the house of the Lord. Now, zeal indicates that you, that you, that you see something and you know you're right from your wrong. And you say, this is wrong, and, 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 and you're going to do something about it right now. There. He made a scourge, a whip, and he cleared out the temple. Now, Again, if you go to a marketplace like that, and, and you give a couple of whips to the, to, to the oxen or the cows there and, and to the sheep, you don't have to hit them hard, but they will walk there. And, and then you throw away a couple of tables of, of money changes there. Now, what would you do if you were there? Oh, you would run for the exit? There. You would call the police if you had reception? There. This is a mess there. People are, 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 this is not a clean exit there. This is not a clean cleaning. This is, this is, this is chaos that happens here. This is not a clean evacuation. Now, not how it, say, it doesn't say that he uses this whip on people there. But you can imagine if there is a, a very angry rabbi from Nazareth with a whip in his hand, I don't know about you, but I would get out. Uh, it's, 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 it's a very threatening picture of this rabbi, and, and he couple as, a, as a couple of, of, of big fishermen from, from, from with him there. This is, this, is, this is not the picture of Jesus that you and I like to think about, I think. there. And he turned off the table, he's very clear, get your stuff, get out there, this is not the place there. In John 2, verse 16, we read the why. And the Lord says take these things away stop making my father's house a place of business and so the greek word for place of business is emporium so whenever you go to the mall you say uh, emporium there it's the same word that's being used here it, it's a mall it's a place it's a place of business there the second time around, so this is the first cleaning. the second time after three years, when he goes back to Jerusalem, he's stronger. So in Mark, the Lord says that the temple is supposed to be a house of prayer. We read that in Matthew as well. But Mark adds to that, for all the nations. And again, this is the court of the Gentiles. This is the place where you and I could as come close to the temple as possible. There, And then it would stop there. This is the place where you and I would pray and we would sacrifice it, And that's not possible. Because try to worship and try to pray in the middle of a Middle Eastern market there. I mean, God will hear you, but you can't hear yourself there. This is, this is, this is a mess. And, 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 and then in, in Matthew, he quotes Jeremiah and said, The temple is now a den of thieves. Now, that's not a nice description. It's not a nice description of a church. It's not a that nice description of a temple there, a den of, of robbers, a den of thieves there. Now, God himself in Isaiah had desired that believers from all the nations, not the Jews, but from all the nations, would come and worship God in the temple there. And this was as close as the Gentiles could come in the New Testament and the, in the Old Testament there. But this was God's specific desire there. And actually, in in the New Testament, we have an example of of one of those believers who came to the temple. If you read in Acts 8, the eunuch from Ethiopia, you remember that story? Uh, He came to Jerusalem to worship. Now, he was not a Jew, as far as we know, so how far could he get? Well, up to the wall of, of this separation of the courtyard of the Gentiles with the rest of the temple. And maybe whatever he sacrificed, he saw his sheep, or whatever he sacrificed, go in the temple, and then maybe he could imagine that that smoke of the, of the altar was his sheep there, but he could not come close. He was separated from the altar, he was separated from the temple, and, and he was there. And so some commentators that I read suggested that, that, that uh, by having this setup in the temple of, of these animals for sale and these money changes in this outer courtyard effectively uh, prohibited non-Jewish believers, Gentiles, to come and worship there, while God has intended the temple to be a place of worship for all the nations. Now listen how the Lord talks about the temple. In John, my father's house. In Matthew, Mark and Luke, my house there. Now he quotes Isaiah, so there's a bit of ambiguity there, but if you think about it, if the Lord Jesus is the Son of God, this is His house there. He is supposed to be worshipped there. Now, then you think about who is the Lord Jesus? He's the Son of God. He is intimately, like we, we read in First in John, what we're going through um, with Pastor Josiah. He is the Son of God, who from everlasting to everlasting is close to the Father. Now, if anybody knows what acceptable worship is, It's the Lord Jesus there. If anybody has heard the prayers over thousands of years from all over the world coming to heaven, it's the Lord Jesus there. No wonder that he was filled with a zeal for the house of his father. Now, it's easy to look at the people of Israel and say, yeah, they messed up there. But it's a sobering lesson for us as well there. We can be so caught up in the pragmatical stuff of how to do church and, and worry about organizational issues that we sometimes lose sight of how we ought to behave. But what are we doing here in the house of God there? We can worry about the sound or, or the way the guitars are tuned there. It can set people off there. We can we can worry about whether the service starts on time, or uh, even better, when the service finishes on time. More important, whether, whether, whether the preacher has an accent or not. Uh, there, that we forget that it is the Lord Himself who invites us to come here to worship, and that it's the Lord Himself who invites us to listen to His His Word. There, this is old. Well, older hymn now. Um, I'm coming back. Like it's all about you, Jesus, all about you. Now, that is the pragmatic stuff. It can get worse. We can come here, and I can't see this, and you can't see this with me, but there's money, or the love of money, which is an idol. That's what the Bible says there. And both in the personal life of the believer and in the church, it's, it's always a struggle to deal with money there. You can be too strict, you can be too, too, too wrong in there. And, and if, again, if you read what the Lord says in Matthew and in Mark, and in look, it's not subtle at all. You made this house, this temple, a den of thieves, a den of robbers. Now, imagine that you go online, you find some Google reviews for, for Oak Ridge Bible Chapel. Oak Ridge Bible Chapel is a den of thieves. That would not look good There or if they had Google reviews in the time of, of, of the Lord Jesus. This temple is a den of robbers. there. That's what it is. There, Stealing armor from God and enriching themselves on the backs of believers. There. Now, this is a threat for us as well. Eh? Uh, Paul writes that some people with the guise of godliness uh, do this for their own monetary profit there and how the church deals with money. Oh, I don't have to give you the examples there of how this offends and upsets upsets people outside the church. In both temple cleanings, the first one and the last one, we see something else. We see that the chief priests come to the Lord Jesus after the dust had settled down there, and they challenge the Lord Jesus there. Now, that's interesting. If somebody were to come in and turn this place upside down and say, this is not, you're, not, you're not doing the right thing, you're not honoring God, I hope that the elders of this church and, and, and we as believers would say, let's think about this. Let's see if there's some merit to this. That's not what happens here. In, in, in both these instances, they clearly disagree with, with the actions of the Lord Jesus there. And it's not caused to repent any change of, of, of business. We, we can infer that because after the first cleansing, apparently it's business as usual, because a second cleansing is needed at the very end uh, there. And nothing has changed there. Now, they ask him, what sign do you do that you can do this? What are your credentials? Where is your degree? now? Uh, Jews ask for signs. We know that, what, what Paul writes there. And we also know from the Gospels that the Lord Jesus did many signs and wonder signs, and it didn't change a thing there, which is all a very sobering thought. So people would say, if I see a miracle, I believe. No, that's not how faith works. Faith works by hearing the word of God. There, you can see as many miracles as you, ha- as you can as the people in those days, and harden your heart, and close off, and not repent, and change a thing. And then in John, the Lord tells them to destroy this temple, and in three days, he will raise it up. Now, that seems a bit of a curious, and why doesn't he give them a straight answer? There, This is one of those instances where the Lord Jesus just seems to go, go around there. Well, first of all, he had already done a sign at the wedding in Cana before that there, we read later on that he's doing many signs, and we also read that the response is, is absolutely negative. There's no change at all. Now, second, the sign that he gives, the disciples say that this is not this temple, it, He speaks here of his body, there. And then um, this sign, actually points to his authority, because the Jews did kill Jesus, his body died, and after three days, he rose from the grave there. And so that was a sign. So if you need a sign, why does the Lord Jesus do this? What does this give him the authority to do this? Uh, Well, you have to wait a bit, but after three years, after the resurrection, that should have been the end of all opposition there. Now notice... Did you see how the Lord speaks about his body as the temple? There. That is significant, there. So, when the Lord says, destroy this temple, when he speaks about his body, it points to a couple of things. One is that this temple, this enormous building right there, but all its sacrifices and its rituals, is about to become obsolete. Hebrews talks about this is a shadow of, 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 the, of the real thing there. And the real thing is standing right there in the temple. The real thing is Lord Jesus himself there. And in the courtyard, against this backdrop of the altar, and against the backdrop of, of the sacrifice, and against the backdrop of the priests and the high priests there, the real thing, is this small rabbi from Nazareth there. He is the real thing. And, and all of that starts to fade away in the background. And then you read in Acts later on that the disciples, after the Lord Jesus is resurrected, they still go to the temple. They're, they're, they're Jews, they go, still go to the temple. But it starts to break away. And 40 years later, the temple is gone. And the temple is still gone there. And, 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 For us, it's very hard to realize what that means for for the Jews there. They don't have a place to worship, they don't have a place to sacrifice there. They can't hold the law to the letter of the law there. there. Now for us, this is a tremendous blessing because the old is gone. And remember, this enormous temple, we could only go as far as the gates would allow us, as this barrier, as this wall could go. There, we could not come any any closer. And now that all of that is gone there. And we are New Testament believers there. And and now we have these blessings. And if you read that in, in the Gospel in, in the letters, excuse me, that we don't need any sacrifices anymore. That's amazing, there. Our sins are forgiven. There's one sacrifice, Lord Jesus, that's every everything that's been needed there. We don't need any sacrifice anymore. When you pray. We can come as close to the throne of God as possible. Now, again, in those days, how far could you go? Well, outside there. You could not come into the holiest of holies there. We can. We can there. And, 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 and Jews and Gentiles used to be separated there. And then in Ephesians, Paul writes, this wall has been, has been gone. We are now one people with, with, with God there. There. And so we can approach God intimately and call him Father. And so we don't need the temple there. Actually, we have to go out of that. That's what Hebrews said. It is a shadow. It's gone. It is gone there. We have something far better there. The second thing is is that if you think about Lord Jesus' body as a temple there, uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians, he works this out. And he says, you know what? We are Jesus' body there. We are his temple. So where is the temple? Well, it's sitting right here. If you believe in the Lord Jesus, you are part of that there. We are part of his body, we are part of his temple. Now, that is an amazing and super scary there. Because it's, it's, it's amazing because there are so many blessings in that uh, that it's very hard to realize. But if you pass, and, and just look again at these texts, and you think to yourself if the Lord Jesus was zealous for this earthly temple where there was everything wrong, and he knew that it was going to go disappear, if he actually says so, it's going to be gone. And he was that zealous for that temple that he cleared out with a whip and turned it over. How much more zealous? Will the Lord Jesus be for his body and his temple there? So don't tread lightly that we are his temple, we are his body there. If the Lord is that zealous for something that is so corrupt there, how much more zealous will he be for, for us there? Now, if you, if you should trample here a little bit, that, that's, that's the appropriate response there. That's the appropriate response. There. Now, it's true that the Lord is patient. And again, we see that between the first cleansing and the second cleansing is three years. The Lord is patient there. And he's patient with you and he's patient with me. Praise God there. Now, that is not not a call to sit back and relax. It's a a call to work on our holiness in in, in there. Uh, But the Lord is patient there. It's also true that the judgment starts with the house of God. He starts with his own there. So it's both. It's both a bit comforting and very scary at the same time. So we have a two-handed call for holiness there. On the one hand, and on the other hand, there. On the one hand, here's a call for holiness in our personal lives, as well as in the church, there. So let us examine our lives, our personal lives, just the same way that the Israelites, the faithful Israelites, cleaned up their house and put away everything that had to do with, with yeast. Now, what, is, what does yeast do? Well, it puffs up the bread there. That's how you get your fluffy bread. If you don't have yeast, you have those, 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 those crackers there. So what does this yeast signify? Well, it's everything that puffs up. So, so our pride there. And, and uh, so we need to practice. Humble humility, humbleness in in there. So pride and boasting need to go. And love for money, that's that's idolatry there. Now, if I know my own heart, uh, it needs to get out radically in there. That's the one hand, this call for holiness. And and, and the letter to 1 John is a very good letter in this call for, for holiness. Now, that's one hand. On the other hand... Uh, there is, let us develop, a a love for the house of God there. And sometimes I'm afraid that we go a bit wrong there. We put a lot of emphasis on you need to be holy. And there are certain very strict churches that put a lot of emphasis, a lot of rules on that, and it may be a bit scarring there. But that's just one hand there. The other hand should be, how do we, do we love The people of God. Do we love the household of God there? Because with the Lord Jesus, you see both there. Out of his love for the house of God, out of the love for his father's house, comes forth this zeal that this is not okay there, that this is wrong. That's why he cleared out this temple there. And so let us develop a love for the household of God. Are we looking forward to meet each other here? There or do you think, well, I'd rather do the live stream and invite some of you there? Are we are we easily persuaded to pray? And say, so, well, let's let 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 the elders let the elders do that. Like I'm I'm not like this should be a house of prayer. That should be the rule. It's great to have coffee. Let's pray. Let's pray together there. Are we are we going on for, for, for worship and praise? Or is it oh no? another hymn with four repetitions. There. Or can, can't it be enough? There. And so both, both hands go, go together. Like We need to develop holiness. We need to grow in holiness there because that's what the Lord calls us to do. There. That's how we ought to behave in his house. There. But by the same token, with the words of the psalmist, better is one day in your courts, and, and he's not even coming close. Eh? Better is one day in your courts, like far away. Like, that's already better than thousand elsewhere there. Now, that's, exagger- that's exaggeration. That is exaggeration right there for you. Better is one day in your courts than thousand. Do we have that love? Or does it, oh, my goodness, 52 Sundays out of the year. Wow. Wow. So to close off, there spring cleaning before the passover there i would like to give you one little gem there if you read john the gospel to john you read chapter one you see john the baptist standing at the jordan and then he sees the lord jesus come and then john says that is the lamb of god that takes away the sin of the world Now, what was being sacrificed at the Passover? You have doves, oxen, or lamb. You could choose. A lamb. At the Passover, there is a lamb that's being sacrificed in there. And so when the Lord Jesus comes into the temple there, at the Passover there, it's it's, it's very deep, Because here is the Son of God, here is the Lamb of God that takes away the the sins of the world, coming into the temple there at the Passover to celebrate this commemoration of the liberation out of Egypt, the liberation out of slavery and out of sin in there. And he is there, the Passover Lamb, this Passover feast, who who, who are we celebrating that? We're celebrating the Lord Jesus there, the Passover lamb, the lamb of God. And so then, in 1 Corinthians 5, Paul writes, clean out the old leaven, the yeast, get it out there, that you may be a new lamb, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, also has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast Not with old leaven, not with the leaven of malice. Get it out, get it out. Spring cleaning there. Not with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more sermons, blogs, and other resources, you can check out our website, oakridgebiblechapel.org. To listen to our weekly podcast, Word Processing, you can go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any other podcasting platform Remember, you can always join us in person or on our live stream at 10:30 a.m. on Sundays. Thanks for watching.